Hey, it's John from CityCast. If you're in the mood to pamper yourself a little bit this week while supporting cruelty-free products, you should check out Bone Cur Home and Wellness. It's the best place in Portland to find everything from chic home decor to cannabis accessories. They've got a curated collection of vegan and cruelty-free home goods and wellness products because their name is French for kind heart, after all. You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncoeur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R.net. And use the code BONCOEURCITYCAST20. Today on CityCast Portland, we're talking about the Portland street response being forced to take part in homeless sweeps, the new task forces being created to address car and retail theft, and the proposed zero emissions delivery zone downtown. Joining me today for our weekly news roundup is Althea Billings, news director at KBU Radio and host of the weekly talk show, The Gap, and our very own lead producer, John Atariani. It's Friday, April 28th. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. Althea, John, thank you so much for joining me this week. Yeah, thank you. Hi, thanks for having me. Before we go into our stories, I had a question for you both. The rain finally stopped, well, at least for for this week. What is your, I don't know if you have this, but tradition? You know, I feel like every springtime, I have to do something. Elfia, you're a guest. Please go first. Like, what do you do every spring? Well, I have lived in the Pacific Northwest long enough to not believe that it's spring until it's July. (laughs) So you bring up these traditions and I start thinking about it. I was like, oh, I totally did that this week. I went and got strawberry lemonade. Huge. Uh, I made this like pasta salad that I always make. And I'm hoping for our nicest day that I make it down to the river after work because the mark of a good spring the mark of a good summer is how much time i get to spend swimming so i really it's i need to reorder my priorities and make sure that i'm in the water as much as possible drinking probably strawberry lemonade are we talking about the willamette well i dabble you know there's other rivers around you dabble swimming in the willamette okay (laughs) well some people think it's gross um, is one reason that, that I just think you're yeah you're Portland you know <laughs> yeah AF if you're swimming in the Willamette well like, you rinse it right. off I don't know <laughs> <laughs> look we spend a lot of money to make it less of a super fun site I say we yeah. use it um, <laughs> but I yeah guess it depends where in the river you know like yeah. further up you know maybe yeah further up is <laughs> or all I guess right. further down I don't know all I know is that St John's this area. Stay away. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> we got a lot of ports happening here. Yeah, yeah. I just know that I go there and I get in the water and I swim around. Those are my plans. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, John? I'm, I'm also got my river plan. I feel like springtime is, is for the river. And I am not taking your advice. I'm going like all in at the industrial zone <laughs> <laughs> up at Kelly Point Park. Do you do that really? Heck yeah. Yeah. Oh I grew up swimming God. in the Detroit River, Claudia. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, so this is just crystal this clear. Is, this is, yeah. My, my immune system is prepared for whatever. I mean, and, it, and it's crazy when you go up to Kelly Point Park because it's this beautiful beach. But if you go to the one side of it, like you kind of are looking at the industrial zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I'll ride my bike out there from St. John's. I actually got like a beach chair that's also a backpack. 
So you might see oh. me like riding my bike with my like backpack beach chair out to Kelly Point Park. Um, hopefully this weekend. So it's going to be warm and sunny. Nice. So. That's awesome. That's super choice. My Portland uh, like springtime tr- tradition is I leave Portland and I go to Dog Mountain. Mm. Okay, so Dog Mountain at this time of year, late May-ish, there is the most beautiful wildflowers just that have bloomed. And you are hiking up for what seems like forever. And I really do like, like I just, I love feeling like I deserve or I've earned something, which I don't know, maybe it's like my weird puritanical upbringing, you know, um, like my weird Christian upbringing. Uh, but I, I I go through this this trial, you know, and it's thighs burning and then you go up and it's just gorgeous. It's just gorgeous wildflowers ever, everywhere. You have a view and then like you've earned at least two beers, you know, by the time you get down. <laughs> that's the math. <laughs> yeah, that is the math. <laughs> yeah, Dog Mountain totally kicks your ass, but it's worth it. And, and Hot Dog Mountain tip, you need permits this year if you want to go on the weekend. Oh. You know how there's been like certain things that they've been rolling out. You need to like get a pass to go to certain outdoor areas. That's Wait, Hot Dog Mountain? Uh, hot Hot Dog Mountain? <laughs> I, I Did you say Hot Dog Mountain? <laughs> Space Dog Mountain, I think. <laughs> but I caught it as well. <laughs> Did you hear Hot Dog Mountain? Yeah. I, I would love to climb Hot Dog Mountain. Uh, <laughs> I will also, that's more of a July 4th thing, but I will be climbing Hot Dog uh, okay. Mountain. Okay. No, okay. Hot Tip for Dog Mountain. How about this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wait, Hot Tip for Dog Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Right, go. Yes. Yes. But yes. you need permits this year if you want to go on the weekend. So okay. keep an eye out. That's good to know. That is good to know. Um, Althea, we usually present our story of the week, uh, you know, uh, not at the same time, but uh, we take turns. And I was wondering if maybe you could go first this week. Certainly, I'd be happy to. The story I selected this week is from The Oregonian. It's called Portland Street Response Staffer Resigns Amid Sweeps Directive. This is speaking to one employee in particular, but it's talking about the backlash that is happening among Portland Street response staffers after Fire Chief Sarah Boone says they actually have to respond to sweeps when they're asked to do that, Mm. even though that prior to this, their protocol says they shouldn't be responding to that kind of thing. And for the employee who resigned, who talked to the Oregonian, the union for the workers, and the authors of the study at PSU that measure the impact of Portland Street response are saying this is the exact opposite of what Portland Street Response is for what it's supposed to be doing. They weren't Mm -hmm. consulted in the change. And this employee was saying to the Oregonian that, so, right, Portland Street Response are our mental health crisis responders. And by involving them in the sweep process, it's asking them to create harm and trauma to unhoused Portlanders and then turn around and try to solve that Mm -hmm. immediately. Well, also, it breaks trust. It totally breaks trust. And it's part of this this larger thing that is kind of hemming in Portland Street response of, of what we're seeing lately. And it's making their job a lot more challenging for, for a number of reasons, not just losing trust, but even losing the ability to give out tents like we saw after Renee Gonzalez's directive in February, right before the giant snowstorm. And even now, the normal sort of things that they're giving out, food, blankets, et cetera, is being held up until Gonzalez says that it's okay for them to have it. He oversees the uh, fire department as well. Yeah, he oversees. Which is interesting. So he oversees safety. So so is he he overseeing street response and the fire department? Yeah, well, street response is nestled within the fire bureau and emergency responses in that way. 
so that's where he gets the oversight on this. But mm-hmm. it's interesting that this directive comes from the fire chief, Sarah Boone, didn't consult mm-hmm. necessarily with the mental health experts or the study, uh, the people doing the study about Portland Street response about whether this is a good idea. And one thing I found interesting in the article from the Oregonian is this sort of runaround of who really made the directive mm, that the, yeah. <laughs> the, chief of, uh, the fire chief was saying, oh, well, we're just doing because Gonzalez said, and then they go to Gonzalez's spokesperson and they're like, well, Sarah Boone is the one that made the directive. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. We should definitely just have a button where we're just like, of course. (laughs) Anytime there's like any back and forth with City Hall being like, no, no, but I don't want to. No, but I don't want to. It was a commissioner. No, no, it was me, the Bureau. Sorry, go on, Althea. I wanted to just underline a point that you just made that really jumped out at me that I didn't know that, I mean, we we knew that there was this uh, directive to stop giving out tents and tarps. And they said that mm-hmm. that was a fire safety issue. Right. Um, but I didn't realize that they'd also said that they were holding off on orders of food and clothing and sleeping bags to people. Wait, is that happening? That's what's happening? That, that's what that's what the Oregonian article said, right? Oh, my God. Yeah, there's I'm, mention of it yeah. that uh, basically ordering those supplies or, or giving the supplies, maybe they have them, but they haven't given them to street response. That's halted until Gonzalez approves, oh, wow. according to this article. Yeah, I mean, and, and for me, like, I didn't see a justification of, uh, are they offering any justification for why that's happening? No, and I guess what comes to mind for me is just the way that this is going to impact their work and impact, you know, I always uh, find it ironic unfortunately ironic i'd like it not to be ironic that the portland city mm-hmm. slogan is the city that works mm. oh, I and it portland does, street yeah. response is one of those things that actually does work they are tasked with studying that does this make a difference and in their pilot project in their first months it does make a difference and right now they're trying to staff they're trying to get to 24 hours a day hiring and training people and it feels like kind of trying to cut it off at the knees and and make it so that it's not as effective. And also, you know, important context with the fire hazard, that was kind of some stage setting even before Gonzalez took office, where over the summer, the fire chief released a report about so-called homeless fires that were like too hard to deal with and the fire department didn't want to do it anymore. And they didn't want to respond. And Street Roots reported on their data at the time and found that there wasn't even a consistent definition of what a homeless fire was. Mm. So you know, they're often kind of describing it as, oh, people are cooking in a tent and being irresponsible. So it could include stuff like that, but it also could include a fire where someone who seems homeless was around or arson committed against homeless camps, which is a thing that happens. Yeah, because when I heard about that, um, I think at the the Willamette Week also reported on the tents and they, they gave that justification as well. Like, hey, the fire department is overwhelmed. They're basically reporting to these fires and they gave like a really high percentage. Like it was almost like all the fires they were reporting, they were uh, responding to were these tent fires. Mm-hmm. So um, when Gonzalez was like, hey, we're not going to, we're not going to give out tents anymore. I saw, I understood why, even though I was like, well, then, and then what? But what is the other thing you're supposed to do then if you're not going to give out tents? Like mm-hmm. something should come in, it's February, you know? Mm. But this now feels a little bit more draconian. Yeah. <laughs> if, if like no tents, no food, none of the things that we've actually funded and we have here. Mm-hmm. Right. That feels, I mean, I don't know if I'm speaking out of line, like if that's what's actually happening. Like th- there's still part of me that I'm like, that's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. Right. But I mean, that's crazy. 
I don't think there's any kind of official announcement about Street Roots not having those sorts of supplies, but it sounds like that's what's happening within the fire bureau right now. And you know, did you say street roots? Oh, sorry. Street response is what I, okay. Just make sure it's it's on the street. That's all I know. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I mean, another thing that this article highlights is, you know, the personhood of the workers that we're asking to do this kind of thing and what it means to build trust with people, help them get into housing, help them reconnect with people, help them get services that they need. That's a long process and involving them in sweeps, which Uh, This is me sort of reading between the lines, but because they're related to behavioral health crises, people are obviously upset when they get swept. It's moving all of your stuff, losing Mm -hmm. a ton of your belongings. And it feels like, to put it generously, maybe a short-sighted Band-Aid of that, of, hey, here's the people to have to come in and have you not be upset about it anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I can imagine that these street, these sweeps, I mean, we know that these sweeps are really, really contentious. Um, And I can a little bit sympathize with the idea that we want some sort of social service presence there in some way. You know, we want mm-hmm. someone on hand to sort of help and like, you know, be an advocate for the people whose belongings are being taken. But um, mm-hmm. I can also see why using sport, the Portland Street Response team to do that is really, really uh, problematic. Yeah. And they're not really sure how much it might increase their calls or how often or what types of sweeps they might be called to because they can be asked by city contractors or leaders in Ted Wheeler's emergency command center and already like we kind of mentioned Portland Street Response is busy I guess <laughs> they're they're working on um, taking it to to 24 hours and sweeps are being done by the city multiple times a day and I, I guess I also think of how this will impact the study on Portland Street Response's effectiveness and then how that turns around in the next budget cycle of oh street response sucks actually yeah Mm -hmm. all right we're going to take a quick break here and when we come back more headlines of the week hear that believe it or not summer is just around the corner Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So, my story this week also comes from the Oregonian. Oregonian, great job. You're really killing it this week. <laughs> <laughs> They're reporting that the city of Portland and Multnomah County are finally planning on cracking down on property crimes. Um, and s- sometime next week, the county, uh, the uh, Multnomah County District Attorney Mike Schmidt and Mayor Ted Wheeler are going to announce two new task forces focused on car and retail theft. On top of that, the county and city are are joining forces and funding a new deputy DA and investigator positions that will just focus on building and prosecuting these types of cases. 
Uh, so that all seems positive. I just love that the county and the city are working together. I, that was like a plus. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so what do you guys think? Is this it? Is Gotham City finally getting cleaned up? <laughs> also, why does why do these things only happen, like only seem to happen during re-election time? Oh, you gosh, notice that? I know. That everyone it seems is... to like really be doing their job super hard oh, when you're about to vote. Yeah, I, I, I want to get to the sort of political whiplash that is on display here, but, but like right off, I think it's interesting. It's auto. We don't know a ton about this yet because it hasn't like officially been announced. Um, but they do say that part of it is going against organized retail theft is the terminology. And I'm guessing what that means is not just sort of like the small scale retail theft. It's these big organized rings that we've been hearing about, you know, that are almost kind of like Ocean's Eleven-y style people getting together and doing these like coordinated theft rings that are costing retailers like millions and millions of dollars um you said oceans 11 and i just immediately pictured like the what is the thing where they cut through the glass and then you have the suction oh, cup oh, yeah. and you take the glass out I, I think that's more mission impossible so, but oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> same idea i feel like every heist film has that i'm sorry but that is like a heist film trope yeah. is you have to make the circle with the suction cup you take it out and then somehow you're in yeah and it's <laughs> but in this case you're going into target you know <laughs> yeah well, I think tackling the organized aspect of it seems really important. It kind of reminds me of the crackdown on the catalytic converter ring that happened mm -hmm. not that long ago. Willamette Week reported on that, that there was, I don't know if it was hysteria. It was founded. There were a lot of catalytic converters being stolen in the city. But it's like, what's happening? Who's doing it? It's like, oh, there's sort of like... A uh, hundreds of thousands of dollar ring run out of a condo in Lake Oswego. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I tell you why? This is my theory. Uh, what we're seeing are crimes of opportunity. Basically, people um, noticing that the city isn't working, that the police aren't uh, actually referring a lot of these arrests to the legal system. You know, through our municipal courts. Um, and so they're just like, we could do whatever we want. It's it's basically like, Batman's not here, let's <laughs> go. And so uh, I, I did some digging and Portland set a record for car thefts in last year with about 11,000 vehicles reported stolen, which is double. I mean, like twice as much as two years prior. All while referrals for theft prosecution by police declined um, from like, 3,100 in 2019 to only 900, you guys, in 2022 when we had, like, a huge wave of all these car thefts. Mm. So the, the police aren't bringing in criminals or they're not basically – or they're bringing them in and then they're just letting them go. And what the police say is why should we bring them in when they're not being prosecuted? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like this back and forth again – you know, of like, well, you're not you're doing your job. Well, you're not doing your job. Well, you're not doing. It's like, well, right. you're both not doing your job yeah, now, yeah. and it sucks for everyone. Yeah. So I'm yeah. hoping that this thing that is happening now, <laughs> yeah, is going to appease you know whatever. I feel like there, there's at least not like the police can't say that now. Yeah. You know, right. and maybe they feel supported. But, but, uh, but I, I want to I cut in and say, like, the idea of not prosecuting crimes is, like, a really – it's such a, like, sharp political moment because Mike Schmidt, when he came on in as the district attorney, he put in a lot of, like, very progressive policies to not 
prosecute certain low-level crimes. You know, these like million-dollar organized retail theft rings aren't a part of that. But like at the very beginning, he got a lot of acclaim, as did a lot of DAs across the country, for, Mm -hmm. you know, rolling back some of these tough-on-crime policies that had been in in cities across the country. Um, And now we're sort of seeing the political moment just swing way to the other direction. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a billboard downtown that says Portland is a Schmidt show. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Right now. You know, and I think that he is, like, he has an election coming up and he's under a lot of political pressure, um, potentially. I mean, if you think about, like, I think that that was paid by people for Portland and no matter what you think about people for Portland, um, that's a snappy billboard. It is snappy (laughs) and my immediate thought is like, oh, boy, his parents set him up for that one, huh? (laughs) Maybe maybe hadn't heard it since middle school. Oh, no. <laughs> like he like accidentally popped the dodgeball and they're like, there here we go again. It's the Schmidt. It's a Schmidt show. He's so Schmitty at dodgeball. People for Portland were going yeah. Wheeler, wheeling and dealing. Yeah, we'll go with Schmidt show. No. Yeah. <laughs> Look, people for Portland, reach out if you need more slogans. We'll work yeah, on we it. Yeah, got, we, we got them. <laughs> One thing that I think of, if I may, is just connecting this to the issues that Oregon is having with our public defender shortage Mm -hmm. and that Mm -hmm. generally while right Schmidt came into office with a lot of goodwill he showed towards anti-racist protesters not trying to keep people in jail over things that were you know whatever however you want to call it petty let's say but that there's also a reaction that this sort of decrease in prosecution is functional because there is an incredible backlog of cases at the county and you know across Oregon related to public defender shortage and overwhelming prosecutors. So I wonder how that aspect, I don't have an answer to it, but I wonder how that aspect plays in as well. Like, because I think what you said, Claudia, about the push and the pull of like, no, you did it and you won't even do this part. So, you know, it's not the synergy that we've uh, seen on Law and Order, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, honestly, what I'm sitting here thinking about is whether I was wrong about the Ocean's Eleven glass cutting. And if there is a glass cutting scene in Ocean's Eleven, and I would feel really embarrassed if I was wrong about that. Let me rewind the whole movie in my head really quick and not confuse it with 12 or 13. (laughs) Okay, well... Maybe Julia, Julia, if you're listening right now, um, could you please Google it and can you just send us a YouTube scene uh, just to settle that if it is, if it if it does exist out there. And while she's doing that, I'm going to tell you my hot goss. Yeah. Commissioner Renee Gonzalez had pitched creating a municipal court to handle low level offenses like property crimes, which is exactly uh, what these task forces are doing. But was he emailed about this press? Because the only reason we all know this is that Schmidt's team you know, is planning a press conference next week. And Commissioner Renee Gonzalez's team was not part of that. I mean, side note, shout out Shane Dixon Kavanaugh, who dug this out and brought it all to our attention, who got the memos (laughs) and reported the story. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I don't know. I just found that kind of interesting. So do you think that they took the idea from Gonzalez or that Gonzalez is pulling strings behind the scenes or it was just a good idea that everybody can agree on? I just feel like when you leave people out in the the workplace that you're supposed to be, everyone's supposed to be like helping and focusing, especially the guy who oversees safety mm. and the bureau maybe should be part of this conversation. Um, and then when they asked, you know, they they asked Renee Gonzalez, like, did, did you guys know that, you know, did you know that you weren't part of the chain? He was just like, I'm just happy it's happening. Mm-hmm. This is great. This is exactly what I was hoping 
would happen and yay. So I'm like just hoping this is it. This is finally it when our, our city government um, who has, that has been so discordant, I mean, and, and, and petty and dysfunctional for so long. I'm just like, are we a family again? <laughs> are we just going to get it done? You know, so that's what I'm hoping happens. You just need to take a day off, go to the river. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Climb a mountain. Climb a mountain. Go to Hot Dog Mountain. Go to Hot Dog Mountain. You guys, if the police department is listening right now, the entire police department, if they're all holding hands listening right now, just climb a Hot Dog Mountain. You're going to feel really great. It's a release. You go up there. Yeah. You see all the hot dogs in bloom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you've earned those two to three beers. Mm. Two to three. Yeah. Well, John, what's your story? I'm really interested in this new initiative that uh, the city is working on with the Bureau of Transportation, uh, basically to rope off a chunk of downtown and try and prevent diesel trucks from going and doing deliveries in that area. Um, There's going to be a 16-block area of downtown. I feel like some of the initial reporting made it sound like the trucks were just going to be completely banned. That isn't exactly the case, but they're going to prevent them from parking in this 16-block area of downtown. Um, It's an area with a bunch of county and federal office buildings, um, some parking structures, But there are a couple businesses there, and the whole idea is that, you know, we have horrible air quality in Portland, and that a lot of it comes from these diesel trucks that uh, we've talked about on the show, Claudia, sort of emit a huge amount of pollution. So they're going to be launching this pilot uh, early next year, and it's really interesting to me. I'm really interested in, like, what this could mean as, like, a first step towards making air quality in the city healthier going forward. And, I'm, and, and they're not banning deliveries. They're just banning diesel trucks making deliveries, right? Right, right. Like if, that, if, this, if this truck was like, well, I'm electric, then deliver away in the 16-block area, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. So like okay. passenger vehicles still totally allowed. Um, and, you know, trucks can still drive through this area. It's just preventing them from parking. Um, but some, and idling. And idling because, gotcha. you know, you have a truck and it's idling and it's spewing out fumes. And, and one of the things that's that interesting is that they're, they're talking about it like a last mile delivery sort of situation, you know? So maybe you'll have a hub in like another part of town. And then they're talking about they really want to start doing deliveries by electric bikes. <laughs> so this is a big part so of it. So they're just going <laughs> to... They're going to have... Wait. I think they're actual tricycles. They're encouraging people to use these sort oh of electric God. tricycles to take, Portland, you know, why? the load Portland, of, of coffee cups and coffee beans to the Starbucks in this area, which I think is pretty cool. I just want to know where they're getting ideas like these. I just want to know the machine that they're feeding to get these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, actually, I mean, it sounds crazy to our ears of like, what, no, no trucks? We need trucks to deliver things. But it's not the trucks. It's the trice. Like, I mean, the thing is like, okay, let's figure this out. Let's get them electric. I know there's incentives. Like, it's not like the city because it's federal money. They're using federal mm-hmm. money. So they're like, hey, we have this money. We're going to create incentives. It's not like they're just leaving everyone high and dry. Fine. But now you're going to force them on tricycles? Like, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I, I assume they're like adult sized tricycles, right? Uh, I'm not. I'm thinking it's. I hope not. I hope they're <laughs> tiny. That would be really cute. I hope they're tiny. really small. <laughs> Scripting the city's five year olds. <laughs> Get to just, work. And they're just like, and here's your Oshkosh bagash overalls and go. Standard issue. <laughs> but, but to your point, Claudia, a lot of cities across the world are really going after this of trying to phase out emissions. Uh, you know, like Barcelona has this huge initiative to phase out emissions. Amsterdam is saying they're hoping that it'll be a zero emission city within like 10 years. Uh, Oslo has initiatives like this. Seoul has initiatives like this. And I, and I think it is kind of this shift in how we think about urban spaces that we're so used to just being like, you walk down the street and there's a giant truck and it is kicking out diesel exhaust. And that is just what we're used to. And, you know, I think this could be an idea that sounds wacky right now, but in like 20 years, it's going to be like, yeah, why would you have like a diesel truck sitting idling in the street in like the most population dense area where like the most people are living. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. So. No, I, I agree. I'm not anti, you know, good air or anti, that'd be you a know. Big, that'd be a big that, leap. I know, and this is when everyone finds out that I love disgusting air. Like, yeah. I'm just like, oh, mm. No, no, I'm not. I actually find this entire endeavor really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also know it's going to upset so many people because they're just like, cool, I just stepped in human feces. Oh, but the air smells great. You know what I mean? And so the, it's like the priorities, but I know that like there's money coming everywhere. There's different task forces and uh, everyone's trying to get some stuff done. So it's not like, you know, either or we could all do these things at the same time. Uh, but I know it, it will upset some Portlanders just because they're just like, that's not what I'm caring about at this very moment, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. about downtown. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, you can rinse off your shoe. You can't rinse out your lungs yeah. from what we know right now. <clears throat> oh, if I had an air horn, <laughs> I mean, it would have gone I mean, off to, at that moment. And to your point, Claudia, this is like a $2 million federal grant. And what it's going towards is sensors near loading zones. They're going to track what vehicles are stopping there. So basically, it's $2 million for... Uh, fancy what kind of truck is this sensors which i I can see why somebody would be like two million dollars for that but well i just wanted to mention i i do think it's interesting and especially because air quality is one of those issues that is it's a it's covering the whole country so even whatever portland is going to do for this 16 block radius like if we want to improve air quality there's limited things that just a city or just a county could do for that kind of thing And so I do think that it's interesting to take this kind of step when there are probably even more meaningful ones that could be taken at the state level, for example, about our diesel truck quality and that Oregon allows a lot more old, terrible diesel trucks that California is like, we don't, this is, this smells awful. We, it can't be here anymore. And they're like, okay, well, Oregon will take it. Yeah. Yeah. Drive it all around. We did an entire show about this. Um, and we'll link it in the show notes if anyone is interested in hearing more about this, but, uh, no, agree. That's what I'm saying. How about we actually, uh, enforce the, you know, the, the clear air act of like what, 1970, <laughs> like, what if we actually like, uh, did some things that we were supposed to do many, 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 many years ago, uh, which would include making it, making sure that any diesel truck coming through is filtered because there's actually a small little filter. You could, I don't know if it's small, you guys, I, it could be huge. It's a I'm, I'm just saying words filter. here. It's a humongous filter. There's a filter you could put on diesel trucks where these emissions, these, these disgusting diesel fumes that are like causing cancer won't go into our air and like 
Um, we just spoke to a guest who was, we were talking to him about something completely different. And he was just like, you guys should do something on air quality. And he was just telling us his own cancer diagnosis and how it was traced back to diesel fumes mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. he, he, you know, he used to work at like PGE or something, yeah, yeah. which is like so sad, yeah. you know, like it's an epidemic of cancer in the Willamette Valley because we, we don't, we're not doing anything with these diesel um, engines, you know, coming through, but cool, 16 blocks, I'm glad that's happening. Like I am, like I'm glad it's starting somewhere, but I agree, Althea, it should, it should be something almost statewide, yeah, you know? Yeah, the one thing I will add here is that I was looking at the area where this pilot is taking place, and it is um, basically where there's like a bunch of government buildings downtown, including the Multnomah County Justice Center, which we all might remember, uh, had some very significant air quality problems because of tear gas. And a report just came out uh, earlier this week that there were times oh, no. where that tear gas hit more than 2,000 times the safe limit. So they're making a real, real corner turn on air quality in that part of the city. <laughs> now can we have a 16-block radius where they can't tear gas? <laughs> oh, I know. Now that, that would be amazing. That I mean, look, we it's a big issue. We got to come at it from all sides, you know? <laughs> Start chipping away at it. And I do think, like you were saying, it is a little bit about changing people's mindsets about how these kind of things happen. One being air quality and two being deliveries. And there's I think an immediate reaction of hostility of like, why would we ever, that's stupid. Why would we ever do that? And it's like, well, we haven't. So we could try. Uh, people tried things before and that's why things are the way they are now. We don't have to have this like constant feeling of everything new is wrong and stupid. Right. And it being mostly government buildings, it's mostly going to be, it, it's not going to impact that many businesses to start out with anyway. Hopefully they win those businesses over and they sell it to the rest of the city or whatever. Hope they all get free tricycles. Yeah, there you go. That's the yeah. incentive. Three wheels are better than four. four. Cancer. But also, <laughs> three, wheels, <laughs> we go. three wheels are better than cancer. People for Portland. There's your new billboard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I wanted uh, everyone to know that Julia, our producer, uh, spent uh, nearly 20 minutes looking for this scene that we were all hoping existed. I mean, maybe just you, I mean, myself and Althea, but there is not an Ocean's Eleven scene where they're, they they cut out, you know, it's, some glass in the that's, circle. That's humiliating. I'm so relieved. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, we're, so I just want to take this wrap-up time to apologize to John sorry. Um, for gaslighting him yeah. about this scene that does not exist in Ocean's Eleven. There's always time for a sequel. They, yeah, <laughs> another no, one? Yeah. You know what they should do? They should make another Ocean's Eleven movie. <laughs> Well, thank you, Althea. Thank you, John, for joining me. It was really great. I hope you get to come back soon. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this was fun. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. Our lead producer is John Atariani. Our audio producer is Julia Fiaioni. Our newsletter editor is Rachel Monahan, And our host is me, Claudia Meza. Original music by Jenny Conley and Steven Drizos. Additional music by Epidemic Sound. We'll be back Monday morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's. <laughs>